Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. Unless it's February, and then it's Razzie Month! With me as always... TV's Noah Houlihan. What happened at the hotel? Well, these hoes don't tell. <laughs> that was the best line in the movie. Best line in the film. <laughs> uh, your face when I did that Razzie Month intro. Oh, yeah, I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> I was unprepared. There were jazz hands and everything. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that no one saw the jazz hands. Mm, we're what... not a video podcast. Yet. Ooh. So uh, we watched uh, a Medea family funeral. Yep. This is technically the second movie we've watched for Razzie Month because we've already seen Cats. Yep. Caught that one right away. Uh, yeah, that was appointment film viewing for me. Yeah, I was like, we got to go handle this. So uh, we were watching Medea's uh, or a Medea Tyler Perry's a Medea family funeral. Excuse me. Now, which Medea film is this? Like eight? Ten. Nine? Ten. Now, something that I think is important for us to talk about right off the bat is on Friday night, Valentine's Day. Yes. We watched The Room. Yeah, for funsies. Uh, it was for research. Um, and then last night we watched A Medea Family Funeral. These movies have more in common than one would think. Yeah, the parallels between The Room and A Medea Family Funeral were very surprising. Uh, one thing I am grateful for is that a Medea family funeral did not include the level of graphic sex scene no. that the room had. The room has a lot of them. I'd only seen the room on TV before, so I was taken aback. Uh, if you would like a very special bonus episode on the room, subscribe to our Patreon. We don't have one yet, but do it. <laughs> or you could email us and like we'll take that request. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um... At the Stay Doom Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doom. Oh, we're doing that early, huh? We'll do it again. Okay. So uh, let's jump let's, into this. Let's do this the way Tyler Perry would, which is bring it up as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> let's jump into this film. So the credits for A Medea Family Funeral are a lot like the credits for The Room. Yeah. Written by Tyler Perry, directed by Tyler Perry, starring, starring Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I have never seen a Medea movie. I have never seen a Medea movie either. And I will say this, like, it was tradition for me for, this is, I think, the fifth year I've done this? I think it's longer than that. Really? Maybe. We moved in together five years ago. Oh, right. So this is the seventh year then. Yeah. I did it two years without you. Uh, where I watch all the best, or the, all the worst pictures from the Razzies. I never watched the Medea ones, though. I don't know why. I just, like, it was always the one I didn't get to. Because I know, like, Boo Medea, or Medea, a Boo Halloween or whatever, I knew they were both nominated. Yeah, because there, there were two. Uh, so, like, they've been nominated, but I never actually just watched them. I don't know why. I don't have, like, a good reason why I didn't. They were just always the ones that were, like, not as readily available as the others. Yeah, I mean, um, 
we didn't have Hulu for a very long time. Right. So, yeah, I'm looking at the Razzies real quick at how many Tyler Perry has been nominated for. Oh, this should be interesting. Uh, he was nominated beginning in 2013 for uh, Medea's Witness Protection. Okay. But he was also nominated for Worst Actor, not for Medea's Witness Protection, but for Alex Cross. Oh, I've heard that. He was like a, it was an action movie. Yeah, and he was the lead. Yeah, I do remember this. Because in 2012, 2013, Tyler Perry briefly did some other work that like people liked. Yeah, he had his own show on the O Network. That I don't remember, because I've never had that. It was like a soap opera. Okay. Yeah. He was also fantastic in Gone Girl. He was really good in Gone Girl. He was like the public image guy. Yeah. That Nick hires. And uh, he was, I think part of what made him amazing is part of what made uh, Neil Patrick Harris amazing in that movie too, of using and subverting what audiences expected of him. Yeah. Very true. And I think that's, whoever did the casting for that movie, I, I hope. Bravo. Like, I hope they got a raise or something, because it was amazing. Nominated for uh, Worst Screen Combo for A Medea Christmas. Okay. But it's looking like in 2013 and 2014 both, it was not nominated for Worst Picture. Okay. 2017, Worst Actress for Boo, A Medea Halloween. So... You have never seen one of these because he has never been up for worst film. I know one of them was. Oh, you know what? Okay, hold on. I'm doing this wrong. I looked up Tyler Perry. It's not going to list the worst picture nominees. So I was looking at what Tyler Perry himself had been nominated for. If I look again at what the worst picture nominees are. Yeah. We got to start at like 2005. So Tyler Perry started getting nominated in 2013, which mm. is, I believe, the first year you did this. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it's absolutely the first year you Yeah, because that's the year I watched After Earth and Grown Ups and The and Lone And Movie Rangers. 43. Yes, but I did not watch A Medea Christmas. That's the one that got away. Yeah, and that was before we were doing this as a project. Yeah. So it was just something you were doing for fun, but I know you didn't do it in 2012 because I know you didn't see Twilight. Yes, that's correct. Uh, 2014, he was not nominated. Um, he doesn't get nominated again until this year. Huh, So you only missed one. I only missed the one. Interesting. And that was before you were really doing all of them. Yeah. You didn't, we didn't start doing all of them and talking about them until 2016. Hmm. Interesting. What a fun walk down memory lane. Yep, yep. So let's don't jump into this now on what happens in this film. We open on a uh, a lovely couple, like a yeah. handsome guy and a beautiful girl, uh, pulling up to her parents' house because they're planning an anniversary party. Yes. Uh, her name is Sylvia and her partner is Will. Thank God I wrote that down because I don't think his name ever comes up again. Well, I definitely think the movie takes for granted the fact that this is our first Medea experience. Like, they expect us to know who these people are. Yeah, it's uh, David Otunga plays Will. Yeah, that was my first ex- first reaction was, David Otunga's in this movie. What are you doing here, David Otunga? Well, and it's funny because in the outtakes that run over the credits... Uh, Tyler Perry yells at David Otunga for flexing, for flexing in one scene. And I'm going to have a whole thing about that later. Which is super funny and interesting. Uh, I don't know that he was in a lot of the other ones. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I don't think the rest of this family appears in the other movies. You gotta be kidding me. No, this family, this side of the family does not appear in the rest of the films. Because I thought that was a major thing we were missing, is the fact that we didn't give a shit about these characters because we had we had not seen any of the previous movies. These are all brand new characters? Uh, yes. Oh, that's unbelievable to me. Yeah, even, like, the parents? Because I know you had a theory about... Even the man who died? Yes. Is a new character? Yes. Wow, this is really stupid now. Yeah, if you look at uh, if you look at what else he's been in, he was in Criminal Minds. He was in Joan of Arcadia, uh, which means we might see him again. And he was in Never Been Kissed. I'm furious because, <laughs> like, I just felt like I was being left out because I hadn't seen the previous movies. The fact that these are all new characters and they just. Kind of dropped us in the middle of them. Like, you care about these people and what's happening. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, annoying. Yeah, like, I'm flipping through the rest of that part of the family and none of them appear. All none right. of the core family that we're going to talk about. So, they're getting ready for this anniversary party. And we see it through Sylvia and Will. I don't think we ever hear Will's name again. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Sylvia is definitely our entryway into this family. Right. She's, um, every family that has more than one or two kids definitely has the sane, stable sibling. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely Sylvia. Yes. She is stable and sane, and her marriage is good. She's happy. Everybody's happy. And they, we are also introduced to Renee. Right. Who is a family friend. Right. And we are also introduced to Carol, Sylvia's sister-in-law, who is married to her brother. Right. So, Carol, Renee, and Sylvia are bustling around getting ready, and then we meet Uncle Heathrow. Yes. Uncle Heathrow has one upper tooth, Mm -hmm. he has to talk through a voice box, and is missing both of his legs. Yeah, he's like Lieutenant Dan meets the brother in that one Key and Peele sketch. I, I was going to say uh, Patches O'Houlihan meets the brother from that one Key, Key and Peele sketch. Yeah, like the Key and Peele sketch where Key comes in and he's like talking about his beautiful fiance and like their destination wedding and then his brother's just not happy for him. Yeah. Ooh. Yes! Wow! Congratulations, little bro. <laughs> Engaged. Kind of a big deal. More for me, I guess. That's what that means. That is what Uncle Heathrow kind of looks and sounds like. Mm -hmm. He's also crazy homophobic toward the youngest sibling. Yeah, because the youngest sibling, Jesse, just got engaged. Yes. And Uncle Heathrow says, Oh, anniversary is crazy. Don't ever get married. That's a waste of time. Well, uh, I'm getting married. Oh, congratulations. What's his name? And this is a joke I do to show off what a terrible joke it is. Mm Because that joke is from Family Guy. Okay. Stewie says it. Stewie says, oh, what's his name? Did you hear that? I made him sound like a homosexual. And sometimes I will do that joke where I say, oh, what's his name? Did you hear that? I sound like a bigot and, a, and I'm a homophobic because I made a terrible joke. 
because it's a terrible joke. It's yeah. really a stupid it's, joke. It's really hacky. It's... I. The one thing that kind of makes it work is that we are not supposed to think it's a good joke. Like, we're not... Uncle Heathrow is not presented in a way that we're supposed to really like him. I disagree. Okay. Because this is the start, and I'm going to just, I'm going to go on this rant now. Okay. Because it's it's something that's super bugged me. Fire away. Tyler Perry's the only person who's allowed to be funny. Because basically, what that first scene is is, okay. hey, we need to establish what the plot is. Yes. We are planning a. Uh, big anniversary, big party. anniversary party for our parents. That's that's who we are. Mm-hmm. That's who they are. Yeah. And then Uncle Heathrow comes in, and it's literally, I'm gonna be funny for five minutes, because they all look at him. Mm-hmm. He tells a joke, and then they all laugh and say something along the lines of, "Uncle Heathrow, you're so bad." Like this scene doesn't add anything to it. It's just here's the comedy part of the this scene. Yeah, and the only thing we do get from this is we establish that. Uh, Carol and, uh, Sylvia doesn't have an opinion, but Carol and Renee don't particularly care for Jesse's fiance. Yeah. Uh, they don't like her. Mm-hmm. But, like, they don't really get that through Uncle Heathrow. No. And, like, what you will see throughout this movie is whenever Tyler Perry's in the scene, he's hilarious, air quotes. hmm And no one else ever gets to tell a joke. You're right. I just, like, now that you've said it, I can think of one or two other characters who are allowed to be funny. But, like, only because of Tyler Perry. Kind of, There's the two old ladies that are with Medea. Bam and Hattie. That, like, allow uh, Medea to have someone to bounce off of. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's also important that Medea is the smartest person there. Right. So, the whole movie, and, like, I was going to save this for later, but this is something we're going to bring up over and over again. The the thesis statement is Medea is brilliant and hilarious. Every time Tyler Perry's on screen, it's hilarious. So there's this big pressure to show how funny he is, which I was going to bring this up at the end. When he's not on screen, everyone's asking, where is Tyler Perry? Yeah! Like, for real! Oh, I was making a poochie joke, but you're also, you're right. Yeah, that's 100% true. To the point where, in the bloopers at the end, he yells at David Otunga for holding bags with his arms at 90 degree angles because it makes him look too buff. I ain't trying to flex with your arms. Put the bag down. No, no hold them, but just why you, why you trying to hold them like that? Just put it, let it, just let it hang to your side. There you go. Okay. He trying to, let's try it one more time. He over here flexing. Uh. Yeah. Like they're trying to, like, he, I was like, I need to devalue you because you look too good in this scene. When you walk in, hold the bags at your side. I, I kind of thought it was that it's not a realistic way for that character to be holding a suitcase. Really? Next, audience, next time you bring in groceries, do you bring the bags up so they're at your chest or down by your knees so you kick them the whole time? Think about a suitcase, though. Like, you can't always bring a suitcase up to your chest. I never am able to carry my suitcase up by my chest. Uh, I I think... Based on the shape of his body, that is how you would hold a bag. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe it was just, it didn't look right, but like that's how David Otunga is used to holding things because he's David Otunga and he's a WWE wrestler and he's a larger dude. But what Tyler Perry actually says to David Otunga in that moment is, why are you holding the bags like that? 
Just hold them at the side. You're up here flexing. So he makes, he's the one who's saying, you're making your arms look too big. Yeah. So I'm so infuriated by this because the whole movie is just an egotistical nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So then we go to a living room, a different living room. We're not in the same house anymore. And this is when we get to the characters who have been established in prior movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where we see Aunt Bam, Hattie, Medea herself, and Joe. Yes, who is also Tyler Perry. Yeah, Joe and Medea are both Tyler Perry. Yes. Hattie and Aunt Bam have appeared in other films. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and they're just sitting around talking, waiting for someone to uh, pick them up. They're waiting to leave. Because what's his name? Brian? Brian. Who? Is Tyler. Also Tyler Perry. Is also Tyler Perry. But like, we're just waiting for Brian to show up and and drive them somewhere. Right. This scene is so long. Yeah. And like, it's just, look how hilarious Medea is. Yes. I don't remember anything about this scene. What do they talk about? Uh, They talk about like... Sex, love, and marriage. Because they're talking about this anniversary party. Mm-hmm. And how uh, Uncle Joe can't fathom being married to someone for 40 years. You need to, I believe his term is trade ass in every few years. Yeah. Hattie mentions wanting to be married. And you find out that she hilariously poisoned her husband with antifreeze. Yeah. Um. And like, it's just, they're very weird, toxic attitudes toward love marriage and relationships it adds nothing to the movie it's so long it's so long and we're just like i'm desperately waiting for something to happen and this is when i look at you and i say how much did this movie cost to make versus how much it made because like to have this movie is 149 minutes long this scene has to be at least 10 minutes so for it to be this long, just one room, three actors, and just like to rotate the camera around this room and record lines, like, despite the fact that this is 10 minutes, it probably took less than two hours to film. Uh, the movie cost $20 million to make. $20 million. Yeah. I mean, they probably... Tyler Perry was probably paid a substantial amount of that. Yeah, I was supposed to say, I bet that's a lot of Tyler Perry. Uh, it's Tyler Perry's production company, too. Okay. So, uh, I don't obviously have the line budget of this movie, but the movie made $76 million, so nobody cares how much Tyler Perry was paid, because the movie made four times its budget, roughly. Oh my so, God. like, they're fine. Mm-hmm. He can ask for that amount of money because the movie is performing at that level. Yeah. Um... So, Brian comes in, and Brian is Tyler Perry as Tyler Perry. Like, he's yes. not wearing... Uh, this reminds me a lot of The Nutty Professor. Yeah, I got that vibe as well. Uh, where Eddie Murphy is all of the different family members. Mm-hmm. And similarly, where there's one, like, kind of sane one, and everybody else is wacky. Yeah. Uh, Brian is the Sherman Clump. Mm-hmm. Of, like, he's the sane person. Right. But unlike Sherman Clump... Uh, Brian is not altered in any way. Brian is just Tyler Perry wearing clothes. 
Mm-hmm. Just Tyler Perry as a guy. Um, and then we get, we shoot back to the house we started on. Yes. And we meet Anthony and Vianne, mm-hmm. who are the parents of yes. Sylvia and Jesse and Carol's husband, who we have not yet met. And they're the ones that the party is for. Yes. So they're like, you guys have to go for a little bit. Like, yeah. you're not supposed to be back till seven. Yeah, we're setting up for the party. So what happens is the mother is going to go volunteer at the church, mm-hmm. which is like good character work. We immediately yeah. set up VN as like, oh, I have some extra time. I'm going to go do some work at the church. That sets up a lot of who she is of like that. Definitely like older church lady, volunteer, sweet older woman. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony's like, oh, I'm going to do some shopping. And then. You know, the mom kind of scolds him like, you forgot our anniversary, didn't you? Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And they get in the car and they leave. And Sylvia kind of talks about how much she admires her parents' marriage. And like, we have that nice little scene. And then we smash cut back to the car. Where now it's Joe, Medea, Hattie, Aunt Bam, and Brian. Brian, Brian. is driving in this horrifically uncomfortable scene. Well, we we start with just them driving Mm -hmm. and they're talking about how they have to constantly stop to go to the bathroom and like Brian's frustrated. They've only made it nine miles away from the house and they've had to stop nine times. And... Because Hattie has to pee all the time. Credit where credit's due. Tyler Perry appears three times in this scene and it's a car so it's very tight. So whenever they shoot like through the windshield you see three of Tyler Perry and it never looks bad. Yeah, the compositing is done well. Yeah, so, like, it's very impressive that they have all three of these characters. Clearly Tyler Perry. Like, there's not a body double, which will come up later. Uh, And, like, it never looks like they're not interacting correctly. Like, they're always looking at the right place. They do a very good job. I mean, they had $20 million. They can afford a couple of, like, the tennis ball on a stick that they use for a rocket Mm -hmm. raccoon. Yeah. Like. But, like. I, I honestly don't know how they did this, like, to make it look that good. Because usually you just, you split the screen and it's like, never move past this line because that's where your scene is and their scene's over there. But, like, they touch each other and stuff. Like, it's done very well. Yeah, I'm going to guess that's where some of the budget for this movie goes. Mm-hmm. Is for making the, like, $20 million does feel like a lot for this kind of movie. But that might be, like... They want the money to go in this direction. Yeah. I mean, like, the reason it means so much to me is there's a lot of scenes where the same actor is acting with themselves in Back to the Future. Yeah. And I've seen Back to the Future so many times that I, like, I know all the tricks that, like, oh, that lamppost is there because that's where they're splitting the scene. And, like, Doc hands himself something, Mm -hmm. and it's behind the lamppost, and it's actually another actor's hand that then appears on the other side and stuff. So there's stuff like that. I don't see any of those tricks in this movie. Granted, it's been 30 years. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been about 35 (laughs) years since Back to the Future. But, like, I just found it very interesting how well this is produced. Yeah. uh, Credit where it's due. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these bad movies... Someone is still doing their job really well. Yeah. And I think it's the effects people. Yeah. And I will say, credit where credit is due, the makeup is fairly well done. Like, yes. 
Like, it doesn't look super, super jarring. And it doesn't no. look super, super fake. No. Now that I've given them credit, let's talk about this very awkward scene. <laughs> so, you know, they're they're kind of like giving Brian crap about his driving. Because Brian's not going fast enough. Mm-hmm. And then there's a cop. Now, this movie was made in 2019. So, like, obviously... Uh, Police violence against black people is a huge, huge, huge mm-hmm. issue, and it's something in the news, and it's something that, like, uh, every black parent is thinking about when their kids go out on the road. Right. Like, you know, every... I've read a lot of articles by black women about how afraid they are when their husbands leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so this... This scene is just so yeah. weird. Basically, everyone besides Brian, when they get pulled over... Is telling Brian that they should that he should gun it, yeah. That he should flee, and he's like, "No, I'm just going to comply, and we're going to be fine." When the cop comes over, he's screaming all these contradicting commands. Hey, you better leave this bitch running so we can get up out of here, Daddy. I want y'all to stop, okay? Just stop it. Take your foot off the brake, Brian. He's telling you what to do. Take your foot off the brake. Shh. Now put your foot on the gas and let's get the hell up out of here. Brian, you gonna be a wimp all your life? Just go for it. You know why Tupac got shot? He stopped at the red light. You know why Biggie got shot? He stopped at the red light. So you need to go drive. It's so much fun. Your heart skips a beat. Don't you want to be a dad devil once? Why you got to be such a square? Nadia, all right. I'm not running from the police. We're not doing that today. Oh, really? Really? I'm going to show you that there is nothing wrong with getting stopped by the police at all. Nothing. You'll see. Hello, officer. What seemed to be the problem? Put your hands where I can see them. Oh, okay. They're right here. No, don't move. Do not move again. I told you, Ed, to put your hands out the window, didn't I? I was just putting my hands on the wheel. Oh, you want to play a resistance game today? No, I was... He's complying. That's what he's doing, Officer Friendly, complying. Who told you to speak, huh? I'll be the judge and jury on compliance today. License and registration. Don't move! I just said don't move. Yes. Because it's like... Give me your license and registration. And then when he goes to move, he's like, keep your hands on the wheel. Yeah. So it's like, how can I keep... And then start giving him, like, really, really specific instructions. Like, move your left index finger to open your glove box. And, like, Brian's like, that's not a thing. I can't do that. And I know that's definitely something that's a a big concern that's in the black community. Right. And... Because I've thought about this and, like, I... I've had my purse be straight up in my back seat. We're like, if I got pulled over, I'd be like, I'd have to be like, it's in my back, see? Or like, best case scenario, it's in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'll tell the story where I got pulled over because I was crossing a bridge and like, I uh, hit the curb mm-hmm. on the way out. And I was like, oh, whoops. And then I looked over and there was a cop who was parked who just pointed and told me to pull over. So I pulled over. And uh, the cop was like, you hit the curb. And I was like, yeah, I know. I I cut it a little close. And he goes, why didn't you get out to look at it? And I was like, because you pulled me over. He's like, well, I thought you'd get out and look at the damage. And I was like, you've pulled me over. I'm not getting out of the car unless you tell me to. Like, it's weird that you would think that I would just like get out and be like, hey, bud, how's my car look? And then he was like, "Uh, have you been drinking? And I said, honestly, I've had a beer. Uh, Just, you know. Just to be honest. And he was like, okay, on your way. And I was like, I feel like I had a lot of white privilege just then. 
Because I just told a cop I had been drinking, and he was just like, acceptable answer. I hit a cop car once. Yes, you did. And the cop... I hit a cop car in stop-and-go traffic. It was an unmarked cop car. I would pay good money to see footage of my own face when the lights turned on. (laughs) Um, It was stop-and-go traffic, and I just, like, tapped the car. There was no damage to either car. And he was like, honestly, if this was my car, I'd just let you go. Uh, I have to call another cop because it's a cop car. And I was like, great. No ticket. No, like, Mm -hmm. that is... And I remember, like, driving the rest of the way to work. And being like, oh, this is a thing that happened because I was white, young presenting, female presenting. Right. I am the least threatening group of traits. Yeah. And the most, like, in this situation, the most privileged group of traits. Because mm-hmm. I would say, like, that's one place women do have a little more leeway is, like, a woman is more likely to be let go of by a cop because, right. like, they don't think I'm going to go, like, speed off. Like, ha-ha! So, the, what we're... Tr- I guess I'm trying to get across here is this situation is something that I'm aware of but ne- have never really experienced. Because mm-hmm. I know that, like, police are often, uh, you know, profile African-Americans and things like that. But I don't understand what the message of this scene is. Because am I supposed to walk away thinking... That it's hilarious that white cops don't treat African Americans well? Am I supposed to get the message that if an African American person gets pulled over, they should try to outrun the cops? I think what they're trying to explain, uh, because Brian's very, like, off-put by this. It's the older characters, Medea and Hattie and Old Bam, and Aunt Bam, rather, not Old Bam. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Trying to impress upon Brian that this is how black life works. Because Brian is privileged. Brian's a lawyer. Brian is wealthy. And so they're kind of telling Brian, like, this is how things work in the real world. Because Brian probably lives in, like, a more... Right. So Brian's a recurring character. That's how we know he's a lawyer. That's how we know. I get that. But, like, the end of that scene, like, we're left thinking, Medea is right Mm -hmm. and Brian is wrong. Right. But Medea's advice was, don't pull over for the police. Try to lose them. So, like, there is this weird message of, Brian got what he deserved because he stopped for the police. Which I feel like is not the message I should be getting. Right. Because that's ridiculous. So, like, I understand that, like, this is commentary on how African Americans are treated. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's so many muddled messages of, like, should we be laughing at this then? Right. Let, like, this scene... And also, never comes up again in the plot. Like, no. there's no reason for this scene to even occur. It's it's very weird. It feels like a scene that was written... It, it doesn't feel like it even, like... It didn't need to be in this movie. It didn't need to be in this movie. So it serves one of two masters in my mind. It's, I'm Tyler Perry and I want to give my opinion on this common situation that the African American community is uh, facing. Which, I don't leave that scene understanding what his feelings are towards this situation. Yeah. Or two, I need to show off how funny I am again. Yeah. And if that's, like, the reason... 
it's a kind of a gross thing to just throw jokes at. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what the scene wanted to get across. And it's not the first, it's not the last time in this movie where I can't exactly figure out what the scene is trying to do. Yeah. So it just leaves me feeling uncomfortable and like, I just don't get it. Yeah, so the family, including Brian, so Medea, Brian, Hattie, Joe, and Aunt Bam get to the hotel. Yes. They get to a hotel, and uh, we get the scene that's not part of them, and it's two people we don't know yet. Yes. It's Anthony, who, or excuse me, it's AJ. AJ. Who is Anthony and Vianne's other son, his, yes. their older son. And so they're in bed together in a hotel. Yes. And Gia feels really bad about it. Uh, she and AJ... Have been having an affair. Yes, and AJ says... I mean, what you gonna do with him? You know his broke ass is born. You need a man. Which is the reason the girl in the room... Cheats, cheats on Johnny. On, on Johnny. I was like, huh, this is weird. Oh, my next note is, hey, it's the room. It is, in fact, the room. And so she... And it's just like, Mark feels bad. Mm-hmm. And Lisa's like, no, he's boring. <laughs> um, so it really is kind of like that. Uh, but they're in the next room from uh, Anthony and Renee. Yes. Who are sleeping together. So, Because all of a sudden AJ's like, I hear my father's voice. I know that's my dad. I have to go check on this. And AJ opens the door to find... What, her name is Renee? Yeah. Renee in, like, a black corset. Yeah, in, like, a bustier. And, in a bustier. And uh, they don't show his father, but it's implied that he is tied up with a ball gag. Mm-hmm. And he's not breathing. Yeah. Renee is panicking. Renee is panicking. AJ is very upset. And then, like, Medea and Joe and Addie, they all just kind of appear in the doorway. Yeah. And and also Brian. And Brian enters the room, and this is when they start using body doubles mm-hmm. for Medea and Joe. Yeah. So that Brian can be front and center. And they have a long conversation with Renee about what is happening here. Yeah. And, like, Medea and Joe are just making all these jokes. Like, constant jokes, jokes, jokes. And I was like, how are we supposed to feel right now? A man is dead. A like, kid is we, dead, Archie. Do we care about this character? That's dead? my Riverdale one for list. There you go. Like, do we care about this person? Like, should we be upset? And as, like, this argument of, like, what's going on here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Joe, Hattie, Medea, and Aunt Bam are, like, having a conversation about S&M. Yeah. Like, really cavalierly, the way you would do if, like, someone was dying on the TV show in the bar. Yeah! Like, that level of disconnection to the situation. And then, finally, Brian says, call an ambulance. I was like, no one's called an ambulance yet? Yeah. Uh, And then Brian eventually tries to do mouth-to-mouth, which we don't see, we just hear about it later. No, Hattie... Goes in to try to do it. Because Hattie tries to sexually assault this, The like, corpse! A corpse! He's still alive at this point. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. He is still alive at this point. He had a heart attack. Um, But, like... 
And then Brian tries to go do mouth to mouth, which we do not see, but we hear about. And then Uncle Joe makes homophobic remarks about it. Yes. But like, I would like to point out that this whole thing happens. There's this long scene. Eventually, they are going to go to the hospital. And the doctor will eventually tell them that he didn't make it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they spend this much time just talking would imply that had they acted faster, he may have survived. Yeah. Like, it's... I don't... Like, this is where I'm like, I don't understand how I feel about this movie or how I'm supposed to feel. And this is one of the reasons why I thought these were all reoccurring characters. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought that Tyler Perry wanted to kind of like Game of Thrones, this actor, where it's like, you're out of the movies, you're going to die, and your death is going to be horrible. Just like, just to discredit you. Yeah. But the fact that that's not true and that like all these, like, we met this character for less than three minutes. Yeah. And he's dead already. Why would I care? Yeah, and he was not a recurring character. No one else seems to care in the film. So as an audience member, why do I care? It's so confusing. Yeah, so uh, we get back to the house. Because now we're back to this anniversary party that's supposed to be happening. Yeah. It's evening. Mm Mm-hmm. And Gia has just shown up. Yes. Jesse's fiancé. And Renee comes in really upset. Right. Um... She's trying to get to Vianne. She wants to talk to the mother. Right. Before anything happens. Because nobody in this movie owns a phone. Yeah, what's up with that? This would... I I would feel like this would be a phone call situation. Like, I don't know why she comes home... She comes into the house. Um, I would think Sylvia would have a cell phone. Like, these are all well-off appearing people. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually make a comment of, like, it's a rough neighborhood. And somebody goes, no, it's not. Like, so this is weirdly like, it's 2019. Where's, where's the cell phones? Um, Uncle Heathrow has a cake that he bought that was built up in a prior scene as being super offensive and it's not. Yeah, it's a woman in a bikini riding a panther. Yeah. I've seen less offensive tattoos on the boardwalk. Yeah. Like, this was supposed to be his racy offensive cake and I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, Gina's in there, AJ comes in, and, um, his wife Carol lays into him. And AJ is also looking for Vianne. Yes. Um. Because at this point, no one at the party knows what has happened to Anthony. So AJ finally tells them. Uh, AJ gets there, and Vianne comes in. She has taken a cab home, the mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, because Anthony never picked her up from church. Right. Now, this actually does have an explanation when they explain that uh, she does not actually own her own cell phone. Right, right. So this one actually does make some sense. Uh, so they they finally, like, ascertain what's happening, and then, then we get to the hospital. Yes. But, like, at this point, he's in, like, the ER. Alive. I see you, yeah. So, like... The immediate, the media, the immediacy needed to tell these people like, yo, Anthony had a heart attack. We don't know if he's going to make it. Get here quickly. Yeah. Like it's very odd. <laughs> like the fact that it's like, no, nah, I'm going to drive over. And the fact that Renee comes and like, doesn't tell anybody. It's like, 
It's so confusing. Like, this isn't how humans act. No. It's also this weird, like, and that's even just taking aside to Renee really couldn't not have sex with Anthony the day of the anniversary party. Yeah. Like, that seems very odd. So, they get... That she was supposedly setting up. Yeah. Ah! Plot hole. Um, so the family shows up. And, and Medea and Brian and company. And they they have, like, Medea and Brian have, like, kind of decided that they are not going to tell the rest of the family what was happening with Anthony and Renee. Yeah, because they kind of have this, this is not our business, we're not stirring this. And especially, as Anthony is still alive, I can kind of see where we're like, nah, it's not my problem i i think it's a little weird that like they've decided not to say anything but the other older people like just can't stop talking about it like he she just keeps like she's the one girl Addie, like hattie hattie holds her arms very strangely yeah and just keeps saying like the ball gag was down his throat yeah and medea keeps smacking her in the face yeah uh because they've decided they're going to keep it a secret. This is when I had this realization. Mm-hmm. It is 2020. Yes. We are no longer in a time where it's okay for a character to be played by an actor of a different race. Yes. Like, I was thinking about like Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson got in a lot of trouble for accepting that role in... Uh, Ghost in the Shell mm-hmm. because she was now playing someone of Asian descent. Yeah. Uh, then she also got into a bunch of problems because she took a role as a transgender person. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this role should go to an actual transgender person. Right. Apparently none of those rules apply when it comes to old people. Like, it's fine to get a young actor to play an old person. No one ever complains, why isn't this going to an older actor? I'm trying to think of when you see it done outside of comedies. Like, do you see it done outside of comedies a lot? I mean, there are times where I, I have seen it done. Like, like I think Watchmen, but they were also shown being played younger. Yeah. So they I... were just aging someone up. But like, no, I, I don't see it outside of comedy. But like... It's still kind of offensive. Like, there are plenty of older actresses and actors that would love those roles. I mean, we're seeing it in the reverse now, too, with CGI, with, like, the Irishman. Yeah. Like, like, that idea of those roles could have gone to younger actors instead of digitally de-aged Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. I I believe they do also play those same characters older. Yeah. But, like, I'm saying, like, specifically here, like, you could make the argument that Breakfast at Tiffany's is a comedy. So when, who was that? that, that played Mickey the, Rooney. When Mickey Rooney was playing someone of Asian descent, it was for comic purposes. Oh, I was just asking... But that's even worse in my opinion. Well, I was asking if, like, you'd seen it in other movies. I was trying to look for, ask you, like, I wasn't trying to get a gotcha. I was trying to ask for other examples. Oh. Uh, uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. And I think one of the reasons is it's kind of offensive. So it's surprising that Tyler Perry's getting away with this. I mean, Medea, Bam, and Hattie are long-standing characters. 
in, I guess, the Medea cinematic universe. Yeah. So they've been, these characters are now like, they have a following and have had a following for about 10 years. And this dialogue started more recently than that. Yeah. And I, yeah, like, I think it's also one of those things of, and this is going to sound really odd, you don't have the physical limitations of an older actor. Medea can do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't be able to think a 70-year-old woman can do. And, like, for our audience, like, I'm not personally offended by this. Like, this is not me trying to play, like, PC police, like, that should go to an actual older actor. I'm just surprised that no one's having this conversation. Yeah, my thought is that it's, for logistics reasons, the same way teenagers are not played by teenagers. Yeah. Of, you can have... Uh, the 25-year-olds playing 15-year-olds in the CW, they can, outside of just general labor laws, you can also have them do more. Yeah. Like, you can have a 25-year-old do a stunt you couldn't make a 15-year-old do. But, like, to to bring it back to, like, Breakfast breakfast at Tiffany's, like, part of the joke of that character is, ah, he's got a funny accent. A lot of the jokes in this is, look how old they are. They're senile and they can't take care of themselves and they don't care. Like, I I don't know. I I think that, like, if I was older, I'd find this a little offensive. I mean, I think part of it is just that these characters already had a following. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of they are also smarter than the young people. In almost... That is true. They're, they always end up being the only voices of reason. Particularly Medea. Yes. Like, not so much Hattie and Aunt Bam, but Medea's usually right. Yeah. And even Uncle Heathrow and Joe are kind of depicted as being the people who are saying what everyone else is too scared to say. Yeah. So they're not really depicted that horrendously. Mm-hmm. They're kind of being depicted as like, ooh, she... You know, Medea can say this, but Sylvia can't. Yeah. Like, Medea is the the older, wiser. I know Medea mm. is based on, like, Tyler Perry's mother. That makes sense. So, anyway. Uh, AJ is terrible to Carol, again. Yeah. Uh, AJ, Carol is his wife, and AJ is just awful to her in every scene they share together. And, and, and his excuse every time is, my daddy just died. Yeah. I just lost my daddy. My daddy just died. And, like, repeated so much that it, it again, reminded me of The Room. Like, it... it Johnny's my best friend. Johnny's my best friend. I don't love Johnny anymore. Yeah. Um, so, Brian almost comes out with it. Because Brian feels bad about the whole situation. Because, like, Sylvia really earnestly thanks Brian for trying to help. Yeah. Um, so basically the rest of this movie. And then they drop that line that you like. Oh, the, the, you want to know why he was at a hotel? These hoes don't tell. Well, these hoes don't tell. And I admit laughing at that line. It's funny, but like the rest of this movie is basically like, will the family find out the secret of what he was doing in that hotel? And in doing so, find out the secret of what AJ was doing with Jesse's fiance. Right. But, like, it is so obvious that Medea has a secret that it's confusing that no one's going, 
Medea, what are you hiding? Like, that's... Yeah. No one ever asked that question. No. They're just like, huh, wonder why she's acting so weird whenever we bring up the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get back to the house. And, like, everyone's kind of down, obviously. And AJ offers to walk Renee out to her car. And they have a fight outside. Right. Um... Because basically the situation is AJ can't expose Renee for basically killing his her his father without exposing himself. Right. Be- and Renee makes it crystal clear that if AJ uh, tells the family Renee was sleeping with Anthony, Renee will tell the family that AJ is sleeping with Gia. Yes. Renee doesn't want to come out because Vivian's her best friend. Yeah, Vianne is her... Vianne, excuse me. Vianne's her best friend. <laughs> um, uh. Uh, yeah, so far, like, a lot of these characters are extremely unsympathetic. Yes. So then, Jesse, who's the younger brother, uh, follows AJ out after Renee pulls away and says, like, you know, AJ, you were more of a dad to me than dad was because dad was never around. Mm-hmm. And, like... Tells him how much he loves him and asks him to be his best man yeah. for his wedding to the woman that AJ is sleeping with. Yeah. And then we get three bedroom scenes in quick succession. Not like the room style bedroom scenes. Yeah. But we have like a scene with each couple. This is when I'm reminded that Tyler Perry is a playwright. Yeah. Because this feels like you could see what this would look like on stage of... There's a bed stage left, a bed center stage, a bed stage yeah, and right. lights are going on. Yeah, going on, yeah. you can picture it. But, so we see Sylvia and Will, mm-hmm. and all they kind of do is cry and bond. Like, Will's, like, upset. Yeah, and they're sitting on the bed, like, in a way you would never sit on a bed. <laughs> it like, looks... Just get, use the bed. It's very comfortable. It's theatery. Yeah, it's it very It looks theater. like how you would stage that scene mm-hmm. so that the back of the house could see you. And, like, you can also tell that he's a stage director. Yes. Because, like, we kind of just use one shot yeah. for this entire scene. And then the two more interesting ones are uh, Carol talking to AJ. AJ yells at her again. He projects on her. He's, like, awful. And he's screaming at her. And then AJ's like, I'm going to go take a moment. Yeah, I'm going to go take a moment. I need to be alone. And he steps out of the room. And Jesse, his younger brother, comes out and is like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm going to go outside for a little bit. And Jesse's like, do you want me to come with you? No, stay with her. Yeah. About staying with his fiance. Yes. So then we get the third bedroom scene of Gia and Jesse. And Gia comes off as like, kind. Mm-hmm. And then AJ texts her to come down. Yeah, come down to the ba- Meet me in the basement. Which means like AJ has the lack of impulse control of like, his father just died. And he is going to sleep with his younger brother's fiancé under the same roof. Yeah, that he had just told his younger brother to go spend time with. Yeah. Like, like his plan makes no sense. And she texts back, like, no, I'm with Jesse. And he responds, but my daddy just died. Which is insane, because it's Jesse's dad as well! Which I think she does say. She does not go down. So clearly, we are supposed to have some pathos for Gia. Uh, Because she's not irredeemable. She's not 
totally evil. Yeah, she's against having... Like, she feels guilty for the affair. So then, we cut to the next morning. Renee's back at the house. Renee is the Kimmy Gibbler of this family. Like, hey, I'm, I'm here making bacon or something. And I couldn't figure out how old Renee was. Because she's clearly younger than Vianne. Yeah. Um, I, when the movie started, I thought she was like Sylvia and Carol's best friend. Right. So Renee's, so she like has a key to the house or whatever. Carol and Sylvia are super appreciative mm-hmm. that Renee's making breakfast. And then AJ comes in and screams at Renee some more. Yeah. And then uh, Medea shows up with Hattie and Bam. Ugh. I just hate these characters so much. And they talk about how uh, Vianne wants to have Anthony's funeral in two days. Which is apparently very, very quick. Yeah, which I don't think it is, but okay. I mean, the last time I had a major death in the family, it was about a week. And I thought that was very long because there was a holiday. Like Thanksgiving happened Mm. in that time. And... One thing that that comes up a lot during this is Medea saying, this is a black funeral. Or, at one point she actually says, this isn't a Caucasian funeral. Yeah. And, like, with the Oscars and uh, things like that, I've been reading all these things where if a cast is black, it is labeled a black movie. When it should just be labeled a movie. Yeah. Uh, the example, I was listening to NPR, and uh, they talked about Bridesmaids, The Hangover, and Girls Trip. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they're all the same plot, but one of them is labeled a black movie because it's all African-American actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I kind of had a moment of like, yeah, I understand like that people classify things like that in their mind. I want to be more open-minded when it comes to films. Because yeah, I've been trying to watch a lot of, like, different films and stuff. Because you could also say people say Hangover is a guy movie and Bridesmaids is a, a girl movie. movie. Yeah. And there's moments in this movie where Tyler Perry is kind of saying, like, hey, this movie's not for you. Right. Which, like, I okay. guess, which is fine, I guess. But, like, it, it just made me feel weird, like... I'd never had any interest in seeing a Medea movie. So here I am giving it a chance because it was nominated for Worst Picture. I know there's the irony in this. And kind of being told, like, no, that is the correct decision. We don't want you here. I mean, it's making... Like, you are a 30-year-old white dude. 90% of movies are for you. Right. The Medea movies are aimed at, um, like... Black church-going adults. Yeah. So they're aimed at even more than like a girl's trip or um, like, I couldn't think of the movie I was trying to think of. Um, Even more than like a why did I get married or a girl's trip Mm -hmm. that are aimed at younger black adults even. Yeah. This is like a very, very underserved audience. True. There are very Very few movies that come out for them. So I think it's pretty fair for them to be like, this is a movie that exists for someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like when men kind of, like, when guys don't want to see a movie with a female lead. Right. Because they're like, well, now it's a woman movie. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of black filmmakers have struggled with 
trying to make a movie that doesn't immediately get, like, pushed off as a black movie. Yeah. Because that's one of the reasons Black Panther was such a big cultural phenomenon, was it managed to achieve crossover appeal, and it felt like a movie everyone could watch. Obviously, black audiences connected with it in a different way Mm -hmm. than white audiences, but it's still something that was more, like, that felt more accessible to everyone. So there's that idea of, like, do you want to be a niche film or do you want to be a crossover film? Yeah. And I think by ten movies in... <laughs> yeah. Madea they found is, their niche. Medea is comfortable being a niche film. Yeah. Like, if we saw, you know, Diary of a Mad Black Woman or one of the other early Tyler Perry Medea movies, would we feel the same way? Are those movies still trying to get that kind of crossover appeal? Right. Uh, we don't know because we haven't seen those. True. By this point, they don't need they don't need us. Yeah, they don't need us. Uh, they made four times their budget back mm-hmm. with their niche audience. Yeah. So what do they need? What do they need crossover appeal for? It's kind of like a country act that does really really well with country audiences. Doesn't feel the need to ever go pop. Right. Okay. Like, oh, we're I don't know. I keep wanting to say Bo Burnham because mm-hmm. I always think of Bo Burnham's country song. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, we're Florida Georgia Line. We do really well as a country act. We don't really need any other audience. So like, I get that. Yeah. You have Taylor Swift who is like, okay, I'm a pop act. I am now going to make my politics known because I am so big, I don't need that segment of the audience that would drop me from my politics. Yeah. Like, so that idea of niche versus crossover, Mm -hmm. do you need to be universally appealing? Do you need to hit a universal audience? Mm -hmm. By the 10th Medea movie, they clearly have decided they don't need that. Yeah. Uh, In any case, uh, I kind of want to, like, fly through this segment of the movie because, like, so much of this part is just... The that was work. literally the whole note I had is the wife wants to bury Anthony quickly. Yeah, like we well a lot of this is just like will they find out? No, they're keeping it a secret until we get to the funeral, which, like again, is just another really long scene full of quote quote jokes. No, this isn't. A, there is an important thing that happens between there. Okay, good. Hit me. Um, AJ tries to seduce Gia, but Gia can't do it. Right. Because the guilt gets to her. And then you actually crack a joke that everyone in this family has the best nose ever. Oh, because they, they keep telling AJ that he smells like her. Yeah, like, oh, you know, Sylvia kind of says something. Um, everybody but Carol and Jesse makes a remark about it. Yeah. So I guess Will, Sylvia, and Renee all kind of make remarks about it. Your thing was, oh, this family has the best noses ever. My thought was... This girl must bathe in perfume. Yeah. But, like, for them all to be able to pick up that smell and none of them to put it together is so dumb to me. Well, Sylvia and Will kind of do. They kind of go, like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And they kind of just, like, don't, like, they don't say they know, but they're kind of like, no. But the fact that, like, Carol can't put it together, who would... Like, be near AJ. Know how AJ usually smells. 
There's definitely, but there's a lot of business where he puts a lot of physical distance between himself and Carol. That is true. She's consistently pleading to talk with him, and he's refusing, yelling that his daddy just died. Yes. He is blatantly using his dad's death to absolve his own guilt and to absolve all of his own wrongdoing. Carol confides in Sylvia, and Sylvia's like, well, you know, his daddy just died. Yeah. And Carol's like, this has been going on for months. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we're at the funeral. The funeral, Medea's like, uh, everybody gets two minutes because everyone gets a chance to talk, mm-hmm. which, again, is not my experience of funerals. That's absolutely my, been my experience with some funerals. Yeah? Um, you were at my godfather's funeral. Right. Everyone who wanted to was permitted to go up and tell a story or speak, and... There weren't as there weren't nearly as many people. Mm-hmm. But what was odd about this was there weren't there seemingly weren't that many people at this funeral that spoke. Yeah, because half of the um, the smaller ha- like I'm saying half say the right side of the church is his family, mm-hmm. which has a small number of people. The left side is all of these youngish women. Yes, including one who has a lower back tattoo. That's like Anthony's chick. Yeah. So now we get the impression that Anthony is not having an affair with Renee. Yeah. Anthony is a serial cheater. Yes. So there's two major things I want to talk about here. Yes. One, it should be clear now that Anthony is a serial cheater. So there's not as big of a reason to keep the secret because it's not a surprise anymore. Granted, it must it might be tough for Renee. Yeah, Renee is still invested in keeping it a secret. Uh, but like, at this point, it's like, oh, I wonder, like, the idea of like, I wonder if he was with another woman when he died because he was at a hotel should be clear in people's mind. Two, Tyler Perry's character of Joe, like, sexually assaults a woman that walks past him. Right. Because she's like, they, they, Medea tells everyone that, like, family on this side, if you're not family, please go to the other side. And she has to cross in front of him. And he just grabs her ass. Yep. And I was like, ooh, not okay. Yeah. Like, very uncomfortable. Uh, but it's played for laughs, so I guess it's fine. Um,. So then we get a bunch of, like, bits at the, at the funeral. We watch Brian visibly die of boredom. Yeah. And, like, every time someone talks, like, they cut back to a clock that is, like, spinning and things like that. So, I don't have anything to say about these scenes. <laughs> Can we cut to the end? So we get to the repast. Which is the, um, like, the home part of the funeral where, like, everyone's at the house. Yes. Visiting. And I, I have to mention this part. Where they say, uh, let's have a wake for him. How are we going to wake him? He's dead. And then I physically did the rim shot noise. Mm-hmm. Because it's the easiest goddamn joke in the world. We're forgetting about the business with closing the casket. Oh, yes. Uh, they had trouble keeping the casket closed because he was so erect that it kept popping open the casket. So they asked Medea if... They want to cut it off? This None of the scene needs to happen. No. It it did feel like that kind of punch. Like, 
I can't imagine they were actually punishing the actor since he hasn't appeared in another Tyler Perry project before Mm -hmm. this. But, like, it really did feel like when they punish an actor by really putting the character through a lot of humiliation. Yeah. So we get to the, we get back to the house. There's a long scene with the older people doing the, like, the wake thing. Yeah. AJ is super drunk and starts yelling at Renee. And Gia and Jesse try to go upstairs. I'm going to run through how this scene ends up happening. Vianne calls AJ out for being so rude. Brian tries to get Medea to say what's going on. Renee tries to talk to Vianne. AJ calls out Renee. Uh, Sylvia's upset and Renee admits what happened. Yes. And then Jesse is like, Renee, I really think you should leave. Uh, But before leaving, Renee goes, why don't you ask AJ why he was at the hotel, why he found out? And why don't you ask Gia, too? Mm-hmm. Like, Gia tries to deny it. Sylvia kind of, like, slams the door when Renee leaves of, like, and stay out. And Jesse's like, Gia, we need to talk. And then Gia, like, just looks at AJ for guidance. And then Jesse snaps. Right. And he and AJ start to have a fight. Gia admits the affair. And AJ kind of starts screaming. And then calls his mother weak for staying with his father. Yeah. And what happens next is a chunk of a genuinely good movie. Yeah. Vianne, the actress crushes this. She has this great monologue about how she always knew Anthony was a cheater. So you think I'm weak? Mama, he's drunk. No, that's what he said. Thinks I'm weak for staying with his daddy. Sometimes I thought so too. The first time he cheated... I walked out on him, left him. He begged me to come back, but I was filled with a weakness. Some y'all don't know about called love. So I went back to him. Even then, he didn't stop cheating. He just got better at hiding it. The second time he cheated, I left him again. You all were six. And four. And you were on the way. What was I supposed to do? I didn't have no life skills. I went from my mama's house and moved straight into his. But I left him. Wow. Walked right on out. Got me an apartment. And a a job working as a secretary with no degree. And I had to leave y'all. With my crazy-ass family. After a while, I didn't know who I was leaving y'all with. I couldn't protect you and work at the same time. And he knew it. He was an arrogant son of a bitch. This time, he didn't beg me to come back. I had to make some choices. When he found me sitting on the doorstep at his job, he asked me if I had learned my lesson. I swallowed my pride and said, yes. He said, I'll pick up you and the kids. It was two more weeks before he came back to get us. You say, I'm weak. I say I'm strong. 
Cause I spent years smiling and grinning when I hated his damn guts. He never stopped cheating. He was a whore and that's what he did. But I kept my damn mouth shut so he would take care of you. So she's not really sorry he died because he was a terrible husband and he was always horrible to her. But she kept the uh, the mask up for the sake of her children. Right. So I did like some quick math and like, let's say Sylvia, who appears to be the oldest, is like 40. Yeah. Like, if Sylvia's 40, that means this was all going on in like the late 70s. So this is like kind of at the end of where someone like Vianne wouldn't have opportunities. So like this is essentially the latest this movie could take place. Mm-hmm. And AJ starts to cry because he's kind of realizing that he is just as bad as his father. Mm-hmm. And Vianne calls him out for being just as bad as his father. Um, my note says AJ cries because he too is a piece of shit. Yeah. Because I, I can't stand this character at this point. He's horrible. And, and it's just something like, Jesse, you wanted the attention of your father so much that you got yourself a woman that was just like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Bah, bah, bah. Like, this, is, this is an intense, well-written scene. Yeah, and like, Sylvia begins to cry when it comes out that her mother hated her father. And her mother just straight up tells Carol to leave AJ. Can you imagine your mom... Telling your wife to leave you. Yeah. Like how... how, You were supposed to be on my team. How much you have to suck. And then like Sylvia apologizes and begs her mom's forgiveness. The the, uh, oldest daughter. She's like, I'm so sorry. And Vianne, to her credit, instantly forgives and absolves her daughter. Yes. And says like, I need to live for myself. And like, that's what I'm going to do from here on out. Right. And like... This scene is genuinely good. Like, it does, like, a fade to black after this. And I was like, that was a genuinely riveting, great scene of, like, family drama and just good. Mm-hmm. But Medea's smarter. Well, we get to the next morning now. <laughs> and then we have to show off how smart Medea is. Medea and company are in the living room, and uh, Carol, like, is packing up to go. But she's waiting to... Tell AJ to his face that she's going to go. And then Medea starts out being like, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And then kind of like pivots back to like people walk out on marriages too early. Like she gives some advice about like, uh, if you guys want to stay together, you need counseling. Anthony, you need, or AJ, you need counseling on your own. But there's also a moment where like, Carol starts to blame herself. Like, should I have been a better person? You're, you're getting a little out of order. Okay. Um, Because what's happening... Because Medea gives Carol this, like, conflicting advice before AJ's even there. Oh. And then they kind of all tell Carol, like, you're not ugly. You don't have to deal with this. Yeah. Which was, like, super gross of, like, oh, if you were an uglier girl... You would have to deal with a husband who <laughs> yeah. is terrible to you, which is horrifically problematic. And then 
when AJ comes down the stairs, Medea, it's supposed to be this dramatic scene where AJ is like trying to make his case to Carol. And then Medea is talking under him the whole time. Repeating what he's saying. Correctly predicting what he's going to say right as he says it. Which is kind of effective. Mm -hmm. Because it's Medea being like, men who are like this will say this to keep you. Yeah. Uh, AJ begs and then Carol is leaving. And then uh, that's when Medea kind of drops down the like, you need counseling together. Mm-hmm. You need counseling independently. Yeah. Like, um, she's suddenly very wise. Yeah. And then Carol's like, until you can respect yourself and respect me, I'm leaving. Right. Now, one of the things that comes up here is that Carol has money through her father. Because mm-hmm. Vianne says, like, Carol, you have options. You have your daddy's money. And I don't understand why that needed to happen. I thought it was a bit out of place. In 2019, why couldn't it be that Carol had money? Yeah. Like, Carol is not a 20-year-old who -hmm. wouldn't have a career yet and wouldn't have a moneyed career yet. Like, Carol looks to be late 20s, early 30s. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't she have been a doctor or something? So that kind of just bugged me. Um, Jesse comes down now. And he has his luggage and goes, don't call me unless someone's dead. Because mm-hmm. he is dumb. I I don't think he means it to be a laugh line. I think it's like, I don't want to speak to any of you. Call me if someone dies. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, it's not delivered. Because I, I, I was going to say, this is the only joke someone that's not Tyler Perry makes. It's not delivered as a laugh line. But it's not line. a joke. <laughs> he literally just doesn't want to talk to anybody. The next time he wants to speak to someone in his family is if someone else is dead. So Medea then gives some more wise advice like it's family. If you don't like them, they're the only ones you got. I know it's hard, but you know. No, she gives garbage advice because everybody should jettison AJ into the sun. Because <laughs> AJ is terrible. Like AJ hasn't really like AJ doesn't really earn anyone's forgiveness. No. And he doesn't really prove he's really going to change. Um, I have a note here. And then Jesse turns to Carol and goes, Carol, are you still here? And Carol goes, not for long. And then I decide they should fall in love and get married. (laughs) uh, Because they're both really attractive, nice people Mm -hmm. who deserve better. Yeah, and AJ should drop off the face of the earth, I promise you. Um, And then, like, AJ is sad because, like, he doesn't want to be this person. He doesn't want to be his father. And then someone's phone rings. Medea's phone rings. And it's Anthony. Yes. And everybody loses it because Anthony is calling from the dead. But they share a cell phone. Mom and dad share a cell phone. Yeah. Which d- is kind of realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, I've known older... Like, my parents shared a cell phone for years. Right. And Vianne enters all in white. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really, like, a good symbolic moment of, like, she yeah. enters all in white. She's not in mourning. Mm-hmm. Renewal. Yeah, she's living for her and she's with... She's going on a trip with the guy that should have been... Mama, where were you? I believe you'd call it hoeing. Uh, so the night of her husband's funeral, she's out hoeing. And she goes to pick up her overnight bag, which she was like, oh, I got my hoe bag. And it occurred to me, I was like, I never realized that was the origin of the term before. A hoe bag. I, I never knew that. <laughs> I just, I genuinely had never. 
It makes perfect sense. It does. But I'd never put that together before. Uh, and she, I believe she does say, it's the man that should have been your father. Yeah. Because now she's living for her. And we, you look at me and you're like, it's going to be another goddamn Tyler Perry character. And she opens the door and the man that she is now going to run away with is Mike Tyson. I was laughing uncontrollably that it was Mike Tyson. Like, the convicted rapist Mike Tyson? Is he convicted? <laughs> he went to prison. Then, yeah, he was convicted. Oh, God. So, like, the fact that it was Mike Tyson, I was like, like, it almost undid the entire film. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> like. I could not believe it. But, like, that's who... Like, after all these years, she escaped so she could be with Mike Tyson. Oh, my God. Who I believe he's credited as playing a different person. He's credited as a character named Roy. Oh. Alright. <laughs> but, like, he's unmistakably Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson. He is that Mike Tyson face actor. And if you don't, like... If you don't hear them call him by another name, he's not in very much of the movie. So it it was, ooh, it was something else. And that's how the movie ends. And then the movie ends. Mom running away with Mike Tyson. Whew. So, any uh, interesting research you want to bring up about this here film before we give it a verdict? Uh, no, I think we did a lot of... Uh, we worked it a lot into our analysis here. Oh, God. So what do you want to give it then? Um, to me, it's it's actually a Stay Doomed because it is supposed to be the last Medea movie. Really? Tyler Perry refused to kill Medea off because he doesn't want to close the door on the character forever. But this is currently the last Medea movie. I also think it wouldn't have been right to kill Medea off. Because that yeah. would change the tone. Yeah. Because I know we're talking about, like, oh, it's a funeral, it's a funeral. But how many murder mystery comedies have there been? Think about, like, Clue. Right, but, like, Clue takes the time to make sure you don't like Mr. Body. And by the end of this, you don't like Anthony very much. And and on top of that, like, all the characters that are acting funny mm -hmm. have no emotional relationship to Mr. Body. Right. It's not somebody's father. Yeah. This... I'm going to say Stay Doomed because of the mood whiplash in this movie. Mm -hmm. It feels like two different movies. There's a very good family drama. The parts that are like Vianne and her children are genuinely interesting and genuinely very good. And then they're padded out with these weird Medea scenes that don't feel like they're in the same movie. No, it doesn't. So what I would say... If you haven't watched the, the Medea films and you're like wondering, like, what's it all about? I want you to take a, a very serious movie like Sophie's Choice. Okay? Oh, boy. Think about Sophie's Choice. Sophie has to choose between her children and it's very horrible. Okay? But now, let's pretend to help Sophie make this choice is Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> That's what this movie feels like. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is some, my two children. Uh, how you doing, Vern? Like, that's the mood whiplash that you get in this film. It's very weird. It is two separate films that are smashed together. That being said, uh, <laughs> I almost wanted to give this no verdict because, like, it's not really for me and I just kind of don't get it. Right. But I say this every year when it comes to the Razzies. You should not condemn a film if it is what it promised. Okay. From what I understand, this is what a Medea movie is. Okay. So I'm actually going to give it a stay tuned. I mean, I'm mostly giving it a stay to- stay doomed because of facts of how like they're just not planning to make any more Medea movies. Yeah. I didn't I don't care for this film. I would never see it again. I don't want to see any of the other Medea movies, but it's a Medea movie. It does what it promised. There it is. Uh, and now we also have to say this. Uh, is it worse than Cats? Uh, no. It's no. not worse than Cats. Because there are moments of like... Like, the scene with Vianne's monologue is genuinely really good. Yeah. I cannot emphasize enough that the scene at the repast with just the family is excellent. Yeah, so... To- it's a really, really motivated... Like, relatable, crushing drama. Mm-hmm. Which is why the Medea parts make you so angry. Because the story was good. Yeah. So, uh, two movies in and we're going to say the Cats is still a front runner oh, to God. win. Yep. Worst picture. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do we do? What do you want to watch next week? Uh, next week we can watch... I know we have we have three choices, so let's go ahead and make the choice now of what we're going to be watching. Oh boy, so exciting. We're going to watch The Haunting of Sharon Tate. The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Uh, so what are we watching next week? We're going to watch The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Yes. Starring Lizzie McGuire's Hilary Duff. I believe this is available on either Amazon Prime or... It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. So if someone wanted to reach out to us with their comments on this film or perhaps a suggestion on something they'd like to hear us talk about here on Stay Doomed, how would they reach out to us? Uh, you can reach out to us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And what if people wanted to see us live? Uh, you can see us live on February 28th in Bethesda, Maryland... At the Adult Fan Fiction Championships. Yes, so be sure to come see us at the Flying V Theater that day. If you want to talk to me about movies that would be made better with the inclusion of Ernest P. Worrell, I'm at TV's Noah. If you want to have a discussion about the niche versus crossover appeal conversation in media, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>